Welcome, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Clavier Report, where we discuss policy, law, and politics. On this show, we're going to delve into the second impeachment trial of former President Donald J. Trump. Yes, you heard it right. This is the second impeachment trial of one former president. You know, first of all, that in itself is absolutely amazing. It's unfathomable that we would think that a person could actually engage in behavior that would warrant two impeachment. But we live in unprecedented times. And the times in which we live, it shows that these actions are also warranted. In this particular trial, we're going to take a look at a president who is being impeached for inciting an insurrection, not just a riot, but an insurrection. We're going to take a look at the words that he spoke, how people reacted to those words, and how each side is balancing out whether to convict or not to convict, which is really the question here. But is it really a question? On the last Clover Report, we took a look at the insurrection on January 6th, a day that would live in infamy in the minds and the hearts of not just our nation, but the entire world. Because the United States itself is the beacon of light for democracy and all things of free speech and freedoms that every human is born with. But we're going to take a look at how individuals reacted to it, what they heard, and how they actually went out and executed the words in which they heard. Many people are having remorse now. There are over 200, close to 300 people now that are being indicted, uh, getting those 3 a.m. knocks by the FBI at their door, and they have regrets. I would have regrets too if I got a knock by the FBI on my door for something like that. But a lot of them are saying, this is what I was really thinking, this is what I was really feeling. But we're going to delve into and find out exactly what took place. We're going to see where each side is putting together both their arguments and putting forth evidence on to the American people and to the jurors, which are the U.S. Senate, on why this president should be convicted. And I want you to decide for yourself, who is the most convincing? I want to hear from you. Because at the end of the day, it really depends, your lives, our country depends upon how we as Americans forge a better and a greater union. But before we go there, I want us to take a look at what actually took place, just a snippet of what took place in the U.S. Senate these past days. Let's take a look at it. Hmm. Hang Mike Pence. Absolutely amazing. If you're like me, you watch those clips over and over and over again. And you just shake your head and, and say to yourself, is this really the America that we live in? Obviously it is. Obviously it is. Because you have thousands of people that traveled and converged upon the U.S. Capitol, upon the White House the capital of freedom, Washington, D.C., and 
They reacted to what they believe were the commands of our commander in chief. Now, many people are saying, well, the president, did he really incite this riot? So let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at the incitement. So the president, there, there's this plan for people to come to Washington, D.C. to, quote unquote, stop the steal. Right. Stop the steal, because there is this. Lie that the election was stolen. Now, we know federal courts have uh, ruled overwhelmingly that the election was not stolen. As a matter of fact, there was a two point seven billion dollar lawsuit. For. Individuals who have lied and said and ruined the the reputation and the name of Dominion election, uh, the, the, the company that creates the uh, boost to cast your ballot and others, right? $2.7 billion. As a matter of fact, other news stations like OAN, who was definitely on the side of the far right, started immediately, immediately saying, you know, listen, we're not, you know, pushing that information anymore. Fox News, Lou Dobbs lost his show, lost his job for pushing that narrative because it was a lie. And that's what happens when you build a foundation on a lie. People become casualty of that lie. But not just people become casualties of that lie, but they react in emotional, illogical ways that are just flat out wrong. And that's what we saw on January 6th. So let's go back to this. The president's tweets, by the way, are records, permanent records of the president, just like president, like presidential papers, or presidential communications. I can only imagine what's going to happen when scholars go back or our school children go back and look at these tweets, you know, 10 years from now, they're going to say, what in the world were our parents, was our country thinking? But that's another story for another day. But in these tweets, in this communication, it's going back and forth. You know, come to D.C. We're going to stop the steal. We're going to support our president. And, you know, he's the only person that stands between us and our freedoms and all this propaganda. Right. So you would think maybe you'll get, you know, a few people to come. Maybe you'll get a groups of individuals to travel from this state to that uh, that's close by. Right. Maybe. You know, for Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, maybe as far as South Carolina, but clearly you're not going to get people to travel, you know, from across the country to West Coast and so forth. <laughs> well, if you remember the quote unquote self-described shaman of QA9, right, with the horns on his head and the fur coat looking like, you know, he's a Viking. Yeah, he traveled from the West Coast all the way to Washington, D.C., to help, quote unquote, stop this steal. And the only way that they figured that they could do that, because every other court let him down in their eyes, the U.S. Supreme Court, which the president himself appointed the majority of individuals, let them down. So the only way that they felt that they could stop this particular steal, quote unquote, which we know the election was not stolen, is that they had to converge upon Washington, D.C. And they had to stop the peaceful transfer of power. 
by certifying, by the certification of electors, the votes, that each state certified themselves. Okay? The only way they could stop that, they, they thought that Mike Pence could do it. But Mike Pence, he understands, and I'm glad he understood it at the last moment because he's been a ride or die with this president for four years. But he understood he had no constitutional authority to do that. So what ended up happening is that he told the president, he said, I can't do this. Well, to the president, that was the wrong answer, because here's what happened. The president himself then said, Mike Pence, in a tweet, let us down. So that's why you heard in that video, hang Mike Pence. His own people, the Republican Party, the Trump supporters, and we can determine, you know, is it the party of Trump, the Republican Party, GOP? What is it? We don't know. But they turned on him, their own vice president, and said, we're going to hang you because you didn't do what you're supposed to do. We're going to hang you because you didn't, quote unquote, lie for us. We're going to hang you because you're not standing up for our president. We're going to hang you because you're a traitor to us. We're going to hang you. Now, that's disturbing on so many levels. Because we know in this country has a terrible history with African-Americans and lynching and hanging for no reason. So when you hear those words, hang Mike Pence, and you see the guillotine, you see the noose that's, that's hanging from a uh, makeshift uh, uh, hanging tower. That's got to be chilling to even think about. It's got to be chilling to look at. Again, remembering the history that we have in this country. So you have these individuals that heard this, received the tweet from the president that Mike Pence let us down. So that's the type of speech that they're saying. But even before that, well, let me address something very quickly with Officer Goodman, the Capitol Police. Hats off to those Capitol Police. They served with bravery, courage, and honor. They fought when they didn't have their support. They defended when they did not have clear instructions of what was going to happen, what to do. And Officer Goodman saved the life of Mike Pence and all the other senators and Mike Pence's family when he stopped and redirected that violent mob, and they're calling them rioters in this impeachment trial, but they are were a violent mob. And when you understand mob mentality, that's a terrible, terrible position to be in. Because mobs move with emotion. Mobs move illogically. Mobs move on incitement. Mobs move because the other person is moving. Mobs move and mob rule is not democracy. And that's what we should never have here again. So Officer Goodman protected the president, vice president, his family, and the U.S. senators from this violent mob taking their lives or, or, or who knows what they would have done. Okay? Because they took the life of a policeman there, Capitol Police. Again, the party of law and order took the life of a policeman and injured many, many others. We saw the officer between the door being crushed.
And there is reports of over 60 to 70 officers that had injuries from broken bones to other things. And I'm pretty sure a lot of them are dealing with PTSD right now. I had a colleague in the Capitol, and they said that they're, they're dealing with PTSD from that day. Right? So these things are real. But you have to think, ask yourself, did Mike Pence know something? How did he feel about going to the Capitol that day to do his constitutional duty? Something that's been done peacefully for over 200 years. How did he feel? Because he thought it was necessary to bring his family with him. As opposed to staying in the vice president's home where he has protection as well. That should tell you something about the mind of the man next to the man who's being impeached. Did he know something that we didn't? Did he feel something that we didn't? We don't know. But we know of his actions. He felt more comfortable with his family being there than not. All because of words. When someone says that words don't mean something, look back on this day. Look back on this impeachment trial because they do. So before the violent mob made their way to the U.S. Capitol, they stopped at the White House for a rally. Think about that. The White House for a rally. During this rally, Rudy Giuliani, others, the president himself, his family, were feeding and priming the pump of these false lies, these accusations that the election was stolen. Feeding the pump, priming the pump, that these individuals, if this peaceful transfer of power continued, then their lives, as they know it as Americans, free Americans, can be taken away. Feeding and priming the pump to these, this violent mob stating to them that they should be strong and fight, be tough as they go down to the Capitol. Now, he did say, be peaceful when you go there. But how do you wave bloody meat before a wild animal? And I'm not calling the people animals, but I'm using this as an analogy. How do you wave bloody meat before a wild animal and tell them, okay, Whatever you do, make sure you don't eat it. Whatever you do, be nice. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. So he tells them to fight, and he's the to stop the steal. And they're the only ones that can help do this. After Mike Pence said he couldn't do it. So now they march from the White House all the way to the U.S. Capitol. Now, we're talking tens of thousands, we're talking thousands of people, thousands of people. We're not talking a few hundred, a few people with signs and so forth. We're talking people with Trump signs, Trump flags, Confederate flags. We're talking people with Stop to Steal, QA none. And this QA none, let me, let me talk about them for a moment. We're not going to cover them now. We'll do that in another Clarell report. But QA none. Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, all of these groups, which should be terrorist groups, domestic terrorism, 
These individuals created these beliefs that the country is against them, created these beliefs that the Democrats are against them, created the belief that only Trump was for them, created these beliefs that medicines are bad for you, created these beliefs that somehow one group of people is destroying the country. They created these beliefs and people have latched on to them without investigating or learning for themselves. And they moved upon those beliefs. Money is not power. A bullet or a gun is not power. But belief is power. When people believe something that is or is not true, they dictate their lives, their movements, and generations that come around it. That's how religions are structured. A belief system that is created that is now not just taking hold in the hearts of that person or the movement for that moment, but for generations to come. I urge all of you, whatever you do, make sure that whatever you believe in, you do your research. Because ultimately, whatever you believe in, that's what you're going to die in. And that's what these people thought, this violent mob. They said, you know what? We're going to leave our, some got on private planes, left the real estate companies and flew there. Some were CEOs of companies. Some were actually police officers on the force in their states and jurisdiction. Some were teachers. You know, some were uh, uh, persons in the pulpit. And they say, you know what? We're going to believe this. We're going to go and fight for it and go back to our lives as if it never happened. Now, to me, that's another issue where you have a group of people that believe they can do anything that they want to do, right? And nothing's going to happen to them. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we know that that's not the case. Ladies and gentlemen, we know that what took place on January 6th was something that was not just planned, but something that was pushed by the president himself and those working in his camp to incite this riot. So that's the question. The evidence that we saw that was put up by the managers of the impeachment trial, the House managers, showed over and over and over again the words of the president priming the pump, the words of others in the president camp priming the pump, pushing false allegations, pushing these lies, pushing stop the steal. And they reacted upon it. But the other side, They'll argue that this is free speech. You know, you can, just because the president said fight doesn't mean it's a literal fight. Because he did say go peacefully. Just because the president said that they're stealing your country doesn't mean that they should. he didn't tell them to go take it back. Just because the president said that he's the only one standing for them and others are not doesn't mean that they have to, they should go down there and Eliminate those people with violence. It doesn't mean that. That's what they're going to argue. Right? And even some say that if we label this president's speech as incitement, then we're labeling his speech as unconstitutional. We're labeling, we're also drawing another line over First Amendment speech. Now, I will tell you, I agree that. Our freedoms of speech are very important. 
our freedom of speech to talk, our freedom of speech to write, our freedom to peacefully assemble, to march, to protest. I hold them true. And you should too. Because once we take away that right, we've taken away the foundation, the bedrock, what our country was built upon and what democracy is built upon. So I do agree that we should protect First Amendment freedom of speech, but incitement is not part of the First Amendment. You can't go in a theater, a crowded theater, when it's dark and yell fire. You're going to create a stampede. You're going to create in uh, uh, you're going to create uncertainty. You're going to create a riot, and that's exactly what happened here. And this is the argument of the people the congressional impeachment managers, that this was not protected speech. This was speech that was vow. This was speech that was premeditated. This was speech that we've heard all four years, five now. And this speech should not be protected, but this speech should be condemned. And the only way to condemn it is through an impeachment. Now that's what the managers are saying. But others are saying, no, this is not incitement. This is freedom of speech because he didn't tell them to actually do it. But when they got there, what did they actually do? What did they hear? What actually happened when they arrived at the U.S. Capitol? There you have it. I think the evidence speaks for itself. Should the president get a mulligan? Should the president get a pass on this? We know that it's constitutional to move in this direction in order to have this impeachment, in order to have this trial. He's already been impeached while he was in office, and we know it's constitutional to have this trial. It's happened before. But you see the evidence. You hear the arguments. You saw what happened January 6th. So now it's up to you to make the decision. What do you believe? And then the decision that you make, you make it with your vote in the next upcoming election. So to convict or not to convict, this is the question. What will happen? Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Clavier Report, Policy, Law, and Politics. We'll see you next time.